can't tell you what a joy it is to uh, be with you this morning. I have with me my wife and uh, three children, and I, I count it an honor and a privilege uh, to be with you all. Uh, last time I was with you all was some years ago at your family retreat, and I just had a pleasure of meeting some of you, and it's so good to see some of the f- uh, faces that uh, were then, and, but now the new faces that are here now. It's such a joy, uh, such a joy. Um, Pastor Drew and uh, Pastor Leon are indeed dear friends, and I count them as uh, partners in the gospel. We're so thankful for them, and I can't tell you uh, how overjoyed I am to hear about uh, Emma coming home uh, this week. Um, we've been praying, uh, as you all have been praying, and it's amazing to celebrate the Lord in all that he has done and is continuing to do. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, this morning, um, uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm uh, 34. Uh, Our text this morning will be from Psalm uh, 34, verses 1 through 8. Uh, I'll read the scripture and then pray, and then we will jump into our message this morning. Psalm 34, and the word of God reads as follows. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Oh, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. For you have not left us without a witness. Your word encourages us. It convicts us. It challenges us. Most importantly, Lord, it points us to Jesus in whom we have hope, in whom we have salvation. So we pray for eyes this morning to see him, for hearts to receive him, for minds to understand him. Send Holy Spirit to come and illuminate your word to us. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, this week, we celebrate one of our country's oldest traditions, do we not? Uh, Thanksgiving. And now in in our culture, Thanksgiving has been about uh, family. It's been about uh, friends. It's it's about uh, football. It's about food. It's about fatigue, right? Because we all take a nap after we eat that turkey, right? All of these aspects are true of the holiday. They're all great, but but usually what takes center stage on Thanksgiving is the food, right? The turkey and, and that and the ham and the 
and the, and the mac and cheese and the, and the rolls and the, and the, the stuffing. Uh, some people like to call it dressing, right? All of that. And, and, and I, I think I better stop or else we're going to start daydreaming about <laughs> Thursday's meal. Uh, Thanksgiving has been about, traditionally has been about food, but it's not just about food, is it? It's about giving thanks. More importantly, that's what Thanksgiving is about. It's about giving uh, thanks. Most of you, I suspect, have traditions where before you eat or sometime during that day, Thanksgiving day, you all take turns talking about and, and recalling the things that you are thankful for, for the, for the numerous blessings that have come uh, your, your way. Well, this morning, it's King's, King David's turn. It's King David's turn. Psalm 34 is an opportunity for us to hear from David as he gives testimony to the goodness of God and expresses his gratitude towards him. If you are not familiar with Psalm 34, in Psalm 34, what we have is David uh, reflecting uh, back on an experience that he had earlier in his life. Now, if we are honest, it was not one of David's finer moments. The account is him reflecting uh, on something that we read about in 1 Samuel 21. You see, David had been on the run from, from Saul in fear of his life. Saul was sought to kill David, and, and he found himself uh, before King Abimelech who was the leader of the Philistines. Uh, so so he, David is fearful that if, if King Abimelech recognize him, then, then he will put him, him to death. And, and so what David does is, is he seeks to change his appearance and his behavior by taking on the appearance or the behavior of a madman. He... He pretends to be insane, hoping that King Abimelech will have sympathy on him and allow him to go free and not put him to death. Uh, let's call it what it is, brothers and sisters. David sought to deceive, to trick King Abimelech so that his life would be spared. Well, it worked. It worked. And so what we have in this psalm this morning is David reflecting upon the goodness of God in rescuing him from the situation. He looks back and he realizes the Lord delivered me from that situation. And so he offers up some praise of, of thanksgiving and he, he is inviting his readers. He is inviting us to share in that same goodness. You see that in the text in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, he says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is David overwhelmed by God's goodness to him, and he can't help but want others to experience it, to try it. 
Uh, you know, on Thanksgiving, there, there are those staple foods that I mentioned, right? Like turkey and ham and stuffing. Those are the staple foods. But, but every once in a while, right, you come across a dish that you don't recognize, right? You say, uh, turkey I know, ham I know, but, but what is this that I see here? Inevitably, somebody has, has gotten a re- hold of a recipe, something that they've tasted, something that they've experienced, and, and they want others to experience it. They want others to taste it as well. David, you see, he is inviting us. He is inviting us in to experience what he has experienced. And he wants us to rejoice with him. He doesn't just want to rejoice in himself. He wants us to join in rejoicing with him. Look at the language, the communal language of verse 3. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us, let us exalt his name together. He is saying, oh, guess what? We have so much to be thankful for, so much to be thankful for. The Lord is that good. So let us thank him together. Oh, let us rejoice together, he says. David's, David's thanks in this psalm, it, it has two particular emphasis. I want you to notice that as we go through, we'll we'll. we'll touch on some aspects in the first eight verses, but, but then we will touch on some other, other verses within the psalm. But there are two particular emphases that he thanks the Lord for. He thanks the Lord for what he has done, and then David thanks the Lord for what he will do. He thanks the Lord for what he has done. David's heart, as you read this psalm, is just full of praise and thanksgiving as he recalled being rescued from the hands of Abimelech. It was as though he could recall the anxiety and the fear of the moment. You've all been there. It's, you start recalling a pretty trying situation, a difficulty you had in your life. And your hands and your palms start sweating and your, your, your heart starts racing as you recall that trying situation. It's like you are transported right back into uh, the, the moment. That is David here. That's him reflecting on his time before Abimelech. His, his, he was in fear of his life. And so he decided to change his, his behavior to try to get out of this situation. But, but he recalls that, but his greater memory is recalling how the Lord rescued him. How he delivered him from that trying situation and how the Lord was good to him. And here's what I want you to notice. Don't miss this. I want you to notice this. The Lord was good to David. And he answered David, not in his best moment, but it was in one of his worst moments. Remember, David was afraid in the circumstances. He was so afraid that it caused him to doubt God and to take matters into his own hands. 
please don't miss this. David was not showing himself strong. And God said, well, well, way to go, David. Good effort. I'll take it from here. That's not what that's not what that's not what's happening here. No. Here was David. In his worst moment. In his worst moment, he had failed miserably and the Lord showed up anyway. He showed up anyway. In his failure, the Lord answered him. David knew this. There was no boast in himself regarding the situation. He didn't rescue himself. Look at verse 6. He says, this poor man cried. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Oh, this is why David's heart is full. This is why he's got so much thanksgiving in his heart, because he is keenly aware that the Lord did not owe him an answer. He didn't owe him an answer. Verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. You hear David, you hear that? He is amazed at this fact. Uh, Yahweh is not obligated to hear David's cry, let alone answer it. But he did. But he did. But he did. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I am sure you have a testimony like David's. You can recall a time in your life where you found yourself in a pretty dicey uh, predicament and instead of hope and trust flooding your heart, fear and despair ruled the day. But you, but you look back now and you see the Lord's hand and how he brought you out of that situation. Oh, please know this. His goodness to you wasn't precipitated because of your goodness or, or because you deserved rescuing. But because the opposite was true. You were helpless and hopeless and all you could do was utter out a cry for help. Or maybe it wasn't even a cry. Perhaps it was just an acknowledgement that you had reached the end of yourself and you couldn't do it on your own. Or, or it was just a resolve, Lord, I am helpless. And you look back and you say, the Lord answered my prayer. He answered my cry for help. David says, this poor man cried. Oh, how the Lord delights to answer the prayers of the poor man. The poor man. And we're not just talking about the material poor. But those who are poor in spirit. Those who know themselves to be spiritually bankrupt. Those are the prayers that he answers. That you cannot do it in your strength. That you need his help. David in the psalm is calling us to reflect with him. He wants you and I to magnify the Lord and to give thanks for what he has done. Listen, because God is sovereign, if you are breathing this morning, 
then you have a testimony of God's goodness to you. James says all good and perfect gifts come from above. Anything good happening in your life is from the hand of God. Uh, Some of us are just more aware of it than others. And so if you know it, if you know that all good and perfect gifts come from him, that his goodness to you is undeserved, unwarranted, then, then we ought to be giving him praise and giving him thanks for all he has done. Doesn't the songwriter say, when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he has done for me, my soul thinks, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. That's the goodness of the Lord. That's the goodness of God. David here thanks the Lord for what he has done. But he also thanks him for what he will do. For what he will do. David was full of thanksgiving, as we've said, to Yahweh for what God had done in his life. But, but he was also full of gratitude for what he knew he would do namely, keep his promises. Keep his promises. If you know anything about this world, you know that it is not light on trouble. Difficult days, they happen. If you have been in a dicey predicament, you, have, you can be pretty confident that it won't be the last dicey predicament that you find yourself in. Job tells us this in Job 14.1, man is born of a woman, is few of days and few and full of trouble. This was easily the testimony of David's life. He had mountaintop experiences, but, but there were certainly valleys, which makes David's attitude in this psalm all the more impressive, all the more amazing. All the trouble, all the ups and downs, did not lead him to fear the difficult times. It led him to trust God more. And in trusting him to give thanks for what he knew God would do. Verse 17, it's all throughout Psalm 34. I encourage you to meditate on it this week. When, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 19 Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. When you hear righteous, don't don't, don't start getting all like he wasn't perfect. This was him trusting in God, his faith in the Lord. This is why he is righteous. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. You hear David in these verses communicating a confidence That no matter what trouble, no matter the difficulty that came his way, the Lord would deliver him. He had that confidence. This this is confidence. So much confidence that he thanks the Lord in advance. Knowing that he would be delivered from all the trouble he had encountered. That is the emotion behind verse 1. I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. A continual thanksgiving and praise. No matter the circumstance or the situation. If you're like me, I'm asking, where does confidence like that come from? 
I want to know that confidence. I want to know how in the midst of a difficult situation, even in the fear of death, there can be a confidence that says I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. Well, it comes from, we read verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servant. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You know where that confidence comes from. It comes from a trust in the Lord. That's where it comes from. David believed God when he told him in, in 2 Samuel 7 that there would never be a time when his, he, he would not sit on the throne. He believed that promise to him. No matter the trouble, David believed that the end was secure because God said it. David believed he would do it. He would indeed, in the end, be delivered from all of his enemies. So David gives thanks for the promises of God, what he would do. And in this psalm, we have a foreshadow of what God would do, not just for David, but for all of God's people in Christ. We have a promise in this text. You see, Psalm 34 is indeed a psalm of thanksgiving, but it is also a messianic psalm. It's a messianic psalm that, that promises, that speaks of Jesus. In verse 20, there appears this, to be this obscure reference that David makes. He says, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Well, this reference, you do understand, shows up again in the New Testament. It shows up again in the New Testament because David wasn't just talking about himself. David was pointing toward Jesus, toward the Messiah. John 19, 32 and 36, John accounts for us, Jesus on the cross in his final moments. And the soldiers, uh, as we know, Jesus was uh, crucified with, with two other criminals. They broke the legs of those criminals. This was the practice. So that the, when the Romans crucified somebody so as to not prolong the death, they would break their legs so they couldn't push themselves up in order to open up their lung cavity to be able to breathe and stay alive. So they broke their legs to speed up the death process. Well, John tells us when they got to Jesus, Jesus had already died. They, to be sure, the Roman soldiers pierced his side with a spear and blood and water flowed. But then we have this word in John 19.36. For these things took place that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Taken right there from Psalm 34. Here is David prophesying that the Messiah's bones would not be broken as the Lord, as Yahweh had promised. So he fulfilled. Because God, you do understand, always keeps his promises. 
David thanked the Lord for ultimately uh, that he would all, for ultimately all that he would do for him and God's people in Christ. That's why he gave thanks. That God would namely save all his people from his from their enemies, namely the enemies of sin and of death. This is why that is why David could bless the Lord at all times. That is why thanksgiving and praise would continually be upon his lips. Because in Jesus, in Christ, he would be redeemed and he would be delivered from his greatest enemies, namely sin and death. And brothers and sisters, that's the same promise you and I have. That's our foundation. That's why we give thanks on Thanksgiving. Yes, we thank him for what he has done, but we give thanks to him for what he will do in Jesus. Save us from sin and death. Oh, we can thank the Lord for what he has done. We all have a testimony for the goodness of God and what he has done. We can celebrate and rejoice with the Henleys this Thanksgiving for all that the Lord has has done. But we can also thank him for what he will do in Christ because there is coming a day when there will be no sickness, when there will be no sadness, when there will be no pain, where there will be no more death because we have the promise of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our Lord and our Savior Jesus, the one whom you gave to us the one who fulfills all of your promises, who gives us a song in our hearts. We bless your name at all times, for you are good, good to us, better to us than we deserve. And for that, we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.